Hello, tutor-minded people. It's Philadelphia Carrie for Tudor Time Machine. The word I share with you this week is fabbery. When I wish to wear my good friend Anne Vavasor's favorite blackwork sleeves, which are quite lovely, I engage in a little fabbery and tell her that I shall take them to the laundress. Instead, I don them to meet a new amante. Oh my, Philadelphia. Fabbery. How now, Tudor Files? What think you? If you're new here, I'm Gage. I'm Jessica. We're here with Philadelphia Carey for Tudor Word of the Week. Don't miss a word. And remember, listen to the Tudor Time Machine Story Project on Podbean and YouTube, Time's Riddle. Time's Riddle is a fun Tudor mystery, and I hope you'll join us for it. And subscribe on YouTube and give me a like. Fubbery means a deception, and I can't help but notice there are quite a few Tudor words that have to do with deception, lies, and trickery. How do you spell that, Philadelphia? It is spelled F-U-B-B-E-R-Y, fubbery. And may I say, when you live at court, and this marvelous group of courtiers are your ever-present companions, it may be fitting to dissemble now and then and engage in a bit of fubbery. A very popular play that is full of fubbery is The Malcontent by John Marston, and it was staged in 1603. And this was a very important year because 1603 is the year that my mistress, Queen Elizabeth, died, and she had reigned for 45 years. Quite a change. It was, and James I was coming from Scotland, and that was a very complicated situation. But one of the interesting results of this change was that the theaters had been warring with each other. But when the queen died and the new king was on his way, they only had one thing in mind. To endear themselves to the new king. Indeed, there was nothing more important. The people of England just didn't know what to expect with this new ruler. We did not. At the end of Her Majesty's reign, there was inflation, bad harvests, and the rise of a new type of character, the malcontent. So the malcontent, we think of someone who is disgruntled, complaining, and who rebels against the status quo. And we've talked about one of the most famous malcontents. And that famous malcontent is Hamlet. And it's interesting to note that now we think of malcontents as people who are listless or upset, but there's no particular cause. It's caused internally. But Hamlet has a very good reason to be a malcontent. His uncle murdered his father and married his mother. So, you know, that's enough to make anyone feel discontented. Also in the play, The Malcontent by John Marston, the main character has a good reason to be malcontented. The malcontent is Duke Giovanni Alto Fronto. He's upset because he was deposed as Duke. And now there is a new Duke. So he wants to come back and reclaim his dukedom. Comes back in a marvelous disguise and calls himself Malvol. And he intends to overthrow his usurper and claim his place. The new duke's wife is having an affair with the duke's adopted heir. And also with another courtier whose name is Frenzy. Giovanni again disguised as Malvol, takes advantage of these affairs to make trouble and undermine the new duke's position. One of the 
things I find baffling about this play, it was originally written for a children's company. So that was boys who were eight to 12 years old. And these boys would be in costumes. Some, of course, were dressed as women and they would be acting out the incredibly passionate and very sexual emotions that are in this play. It's so disturbing. It is not in the least, dear Gage. I have watched boy players my entire life. It's delightful to see the youngsters dressed up as adults and extolling very adult sentiments. Philadelphia, in our time, it is absolutely not acceptable. And maybe it wasn't even quite comfortable in 1603 because the malcontent was rewritten and performed by adults at the Globe Theater in 1604. And when it was staged in 1604, there were changes to the plays. And one of them was that an induction was added. An induction is a scene before the play starts where the actors, as themselves, explain what's happening in the play to create a bridge between the audience and the beginning of the play. And also, the actors help the audience understand that Giovanni is not actually a malcontent, but he's acting the malcontent because it will help him overthrow the Duke. Elizabethan and Jacobean playwrights They love to use this convention that a character is disguising his true self to bring about some type of justice. How I clap when the true character is dramatically revealed. Well, we still do this in some genres. Clark Kent is dramatically revealed as Superman. Diana Prince is mild-mannered until she's revealed as Wonder Woman. The secret identity is here to stay. Giovanni, in disguise as the malcontent, wants to make the duke who usurped his dukedom doubt his wife and create chaos. And that woman is in fact having two affairs. That's true. So Philadelphia, what does Giovanni say to the duke to make him doubt his wife? Well, the duke asks Giovanni most kindly, How dost spend the night? I hear thou never sleepest. And the scheming Giovanni says, Oh, no, but dream the most fantastical. Oh, heaven. Oh, fubbery. Fubbery. He's saying he can't sleep because he's dreaming of deceptions. He's dreaming of wives cheating on their husbands, which upsets the Duke. It is the beginning of his plot to destabilize the Duke with Giovanni's own fubbery. Fubbery triumphs in the end, and the duke recovers his dukedom. So give heed, Tudor Files. Bring some 16th century sauce to your vocabulary with fubbery. Listen in next time. Don't miss a word. Subscribe on YouTube and give me a like.